Welcome to the Games for the Throne podcast, a podcast about the HBO series Game of Thrones. I'm your host, Courtney, aka Mother of Dragons. I'm going to be discussing episode 601, The Red Woman, but I'm briefly going to go over where we left off in season 5. So Arya was blinded by Yaken Hagar for killing Sir Marin Trant. She was supposed to kill somebody else, and instead she used one of the faces to kill the Kingsguard member who had beaten up on her sister and killed um, Sirio Pharrell. Danny rode Drogon out of the fighting pit to escape the Sons of the Harpy, and she's about to be found by a Dothraki horde. John's been stabbed to death by his brothers for, in their eyes, betraying the Night's Watch by letting the wildlings through the wall. Cersei's just finished her walk of shame, and she's back at the Red Keep. Um, Jamie was bringing Marcella home, but she was poisoned and died. Ilaria Sand killed her, and she died in Jamie's arms. Stannis was defeated by the Boltons and killed by Brienne. And we didn't see Bran in season five. They purposely left him out. He was presumably in the tree cave with a three-eyed raven who was going through training with him. So I'm going to do this geographically, starting with the wall. So we go straight to Castle Black, where Ghost is howling. John's lying dead in the courtyard. Sir Davos finds John and some other men come out as well. And they take John's body to a room and lay him on the table. They know Alistair Thorne did it, and they decide to bring Ghost to the room so he can help protect them. Melisandre knocks on the door. She says she saw John and her flames fighting at Winterfell. Sir Davos tells her he doesn't know about her flames, but John is definitely gone. And Alistair Thorne has gathered all the men of the Night's Watch that are not in the room with John's body. And they're all fighting in the Great Hall. And Thorne basically admits that he and the other officers killed John because they felt it was their duty because he was destroying the Night's Watch by letting the wildlings through the wall, which is bullshit because Thorne just wants to be a leader. Now, I'm going to digress just a little bit because I want to make a point here. So I do really understand that um, the Night's Watch has been at war with the wildlings for a lot of years now. Their beginning purpose was to fight the White Walkers to defend the wall, but there haven't been any White Walkers in a long time until just recently. And I do feel bad for Ollie. I understand the wildlings came over the wall. They killed his parents. The Night's Watch has been defending the North against them for years. But there are reasons that John let the wildlings through. Number one being that it's the right thing to do they do deserve some land that they can um, live on and farm and maybe they'll quit terrorizing the people of the north if they can do this and number two the white walkers are back as many dead things as the knights king can find he's going to add to his army so all of these hundreds and thousands of wildlings that were above the wall are just more ranks for his army and John needs them. Westeros needs them. So this really shows how John is a better leader as compared to Sir Alistair, who's really only thinking of himself. So we go back to the room and Sir Davos comes up with this plan. He um, sends Dolores Ed to go get Tormund and all of the wildlings so that they can come back and help them defend John, even though John is dead 
Alistair Thorne does not need to be in charge. So Dolores Ad leaves to go get them and to come back and help um, plot revenge on John and fight Thorne and the other Black Brothers. Thorne finds where Sir Davos is keeping John. He says he'll let Sir Davos go south. He says he'll let the other men that are in there return to the Night's Watch. No punishment for them. Sir Davos jokes that he really needs some mutton um, if Sir Alistair can throw that in there because he's not a good hunter and if he's going to make it south, he's going to need something to eat. Thorne gives them till nightfall to surrender and Sir Davos replies that they'll discuss it and come back to him with an answer. So Thorne is a little confused by that. I guess he expected them to surrender right away, but Sir Davos is not giving up. When Thorne leaves, Sir Davos tells the men in the room that he does not trust Thorne. He thinks Melisandre can possibly help. He sees that um, he's seen what she can do before. He has faith in her. He just wants to see if there's anything that she can do. So it cuts to Melisandre in her room. She goes to the mirror and she disrobes. She's looking at herself and she takes her ruby necklace off. And once she takes her necklace off, it's revealed that she is an extremely old woman. How old, we don't even know. So there's some magical power in this necklace that's helping her appear young. And this is just to represent how much magic has really taken away from her. She kind of stares at herself for another minute, and then she turns away from the mirror and she climbs into her bed. And like I said, I'm going to do this geographically, so even though this is really the end scene for the show, I just wanted to go ahead and fit it all together. Um, so, you know, they do leave us hanging, wondering if she is going to be able to resurrect John, if there's any magic that she has, like Thoros of Mir when he resurrected Lord Beric Dondarrion. So we'll see. Next, we go to Winterfell, where Ramsay is reminiscing about Miranda. He's extremely upset that she was killed. He swears to avenge her, and then he tells the maester to feed her body to the hounds. The maester asks if he should burn her or bury her, and Ramsay said, well, she's good meat. Feed her to the hounds. He goes to talk to his dad, who, Lord Bolton, who says that they need to concentrate on the Lannisters, they defied the crown when Ramsay married Sansa, and they need her back so that the North will rally around and fight for them, so they must get her back. And, of course, Sansa and Theon are running. There's men very close behind them. They try to think of all these ways um, for the hounds to lose their scent. Theon gets Sansa to cross the river. It's freezing cold, but it doesn't work. They um, go to hide and rest behind some brush and they're freezing and the dogs and the men are just right up on them. So Theon tells her that he's going to run out there. He is going to distract the guards um, so that she can get away, that she needs to go to the wall to see her brother John because he can help her. So Theon runs out. He runs into the men. He tells them that Sansa's dead. They don't believe him. So he says, well, I left her to die. She's freezing to death. Don't worry, she's going to die. But they don't really believe him. And of course, the dogs catch the scent and they go directly to her. So it looks like they're going to be taken back to the Boltons. But luckily, Brienne and Pot arrive and kill the men. And then Brienne pledges her service to Sansa again. And this time Sansa accepts in a very touching scene. Next, we go to King's Landing. Jamie's ship's arriving and Cersei is in her room. She's kind of still getting over her walk of shame and getting her pride back. 
and um, one of her handmaidens comes to tell her that there's a ship from Doran in the harbor. So she runs out there to see her daughter, and all she sees is a very sad-looking Jamie and a dead Marcella. Cersei and Jamie talk. She tells him about the prophecy. She says that he was right, that they should have stuck together, that they're strongest when they're together, and he tells her they're the only ones that matter, that they're going to get back everything that was taken away from them, and they will avenge Marcella. We also see Marjorie. Um, she's still in the Sept prison, whatever you want to call it. And Septuinella's in there with her, trying to get her to confess. Marjorie continues to plead her innocence, but you've seen these people. They're relentless. They don't care. They just want a confession. So she hits Marjorie with a book, um, and the High Septon walks in, and he dismisses Septuinella. He starts talking to her. She immediately asks, Marjorie does, if she can see her brother, Loris, but he tells her he's there for a different reason, that she can't see her brother till she confesses. But he's very worried about Tommen because she he's very upset that Marjorie is in prison and she really needs to confess. She again says, I haven't done anything. And he says, well, we're all not without sin. You've done something. And that she needs to start on her road to, um, to getting clean and moving on so she can go back to the castle and be the queen again. So then we go to Dorne and Prince Doran, who is totally out of the loop on Marcella being dead, is walking around with Ilaria Sand. He's complimenting her on how big her... Um, how good it was that she pulled back on her revenge plot, how she's just a good person and they feed each other compliments. And then a messenger shows up with a note about Marcella's death. And he kind of looks at Ilaria Sand and she and her daughter pull out knives and they stab him and his guards killing Prince Doran. She tells Prince Doran that his people hate him, that he let Elia Martell be killed by the Lannisters and did nothing. He let Prince Oberon be killed by the Lannisters and he did nothing. And he is a weak man and his son Tristane is a weak man and Dorne will no longer be ruled by weak men. So it looks like they're going to kill Tristane too, and uh, which actually happens in the next scene. He went to King's Landing with Marcella and he's on the boat and the other two Sand Snakes who are Oberon's daughters kill him. So now these crazy revenge-seeking women are running Dorne. They don't really have any allies at this point, so it's not really clear how they're going to fight the Lannisters, but they want to fight. In Marine, Tyrion and Varys are trying to rule. Um, Tyrion convinces Varys that they really need to walk around the city and get to know it. You can't just rule from a pyramid. This is Tyrion's idea, and we all know how smart he is. He really is born to be an advisor. They come upon a red priest who's urging a group to take up arms and fight for themselves now that Danny is gone. And they think that's a little disturbing. They come upon a message that says, kill the masters. And then it says Misa, which of course is referring to Danny, is a master. So we don't know what's going on there, but there's definitely some unrest in Marine. Then they hear bells ringing. They see people running away from the harbor. So they go to check it out. And somebody has set all of the ships in the harbor on fire. So 
not only is Danny losing what she has of Marine, she's also lost all of her ships to go to Westeros. Jorah and Dario are tracking Danny. They find where she landed with Drogon. They find the skeletons in there of stuff of the rams that he killed. Um, we kind of see Jorah's grayscale. It's moved a little further up of his arm, but he's still doing okay. He is not going to stop till he finds Danny. They then find the spot where the horde, the Dothraki horde, found her, and uh, Jorah finds her ring. So he knows that the Dothraki have her. Then we see Danny. The Dothraki are taking her back to the, their call at a camp. They're obviously going around like um, Khal Drogo was doing in season one, where they go around and find slaves and everything to take back to Vase Dothrak. So she's tied up. She's walking. They're being complete jerks. They're saying all these things about her, about what they want to do to her, why her hair is white. And um, they're completely unsuspecting that she can speak Dothraki, but she hears everything that they're saying. And once they get back to the camp, she's taken to their leader, Kal Murrow. And he um, is also saying things about her. His two wives are extremely jealous of Danny. It's really funny. They say that he should just kill her right away. And um, he, of course, wants to have sex with her. So he's about to rip her clothes off when she starts talking in, Dana in Dothraki, telling him that she is Daenerys Targaryen, mother of dragons, all of that. He, she gets done. He says, yeah, you know, whatever. I don't really care. You are no one. You are the mother of no one. You're the millionth of no name. And um, she decides to tell him that she was Khal Drogo's wife and a Khaleesi of the Great Gas Sea. That seems to spark some kind of something in him, and he kind of backs off, and he asks to be forgiven. He says he didn't know, and that it's forbidden for anyone to lie with a call's widow. So she asks if she can go back to Marine. She says, you know, I appreciate an escort, anything you can do for me. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, if you're called Drogo's widow, then you really need to be in Vase Dothrak. You really need to be part of the Dosh Kaleen, because that's where all of the widowed Khaleesi's go. And this is basically a group of widowed Khaleesi's who sit in judgment sometimes. They approve the calls marriages. It's really a boring life, and it's something that Danny was not destined for and decided in season one that was not going to be her end. So she's not really satisfied with this, but there's not a lot she can do right now. And then finally we get to Bravos. We see Arya... She's begging in the streets. She's blind. She's feeling sorry for herself. Um, the girl from the House of Black and White, who I'm going to refer to as the Waif, that's who she is in the books, she shows up. She throws a stick at Arya to fight with, and um, they fight for a little while. She beats the snot out of Arya, and then she tells her, I'll see you tomorrow. And that's basically the whole of this episode. Um, so... You know, like I said before, Arya's just kind of lost her will. She needs to get over what she did. She's basically learning all over again from being blind. And apparently she's not allowed to live in the house of black and white right now. So I guess she has to do some things before she can get back there um, and resume all of her training. Because obviously she's still getting some training. Um, John, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Is Melisandre going to be able to resurrect him? We really hope so. 
what Sir Davos going to do? Are the wildlings going to show up? What's Danny going to do? Um, you know, she's going to go all the way back to Vase Dothrak. So how much longer is that going to take her? Where's Drogon? What is he doing? Lots of questions that I'm sure we'll at least get some answers to um, in the next few episodes for season six. So um, thank you for listening to my podcast, Games for the Throne. This podcast is new, and what I'm doing is before season seven, I'm going through back through all the episodes of season six and doing recaps on those. If you have questions, comments, crazy theories, you can email me at gamesforthethrone at gmail.com. You can also like me on Facebook at Games for the Throne, and on Twitter, it's at Games for the Throne, but the four is actually the number four. You can also check out my Games for the Throne blog on 3cstudio.net, and that's where I'm going to be putting um, episodes of the podcast as well. There will be lots of news. Um, I've talked about different theories. You can go on there and see what all's on there. So I'll see you next time. (laughs) 